Jesus Christ's position and identity does not depend on the opinion of people. He is an irrefutable and undeniable reality that is independent and unaffected whether people choose to believe in him or not. And if this is the case, then one thing should only matter to us, and that is, what does this God think of me? And our eternal future depends on that single answer. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we're going to talk about the God of creation. We live in a world where many people doubt both God's existence and that He created everything. It is hard for many people to accept today that there is such a person as God with all of the attributes the Bible tells us that He has. And it is preferable for many to accept that we are a product from some random cosmic accident than being made by Almighty God. These doubts in God are what promote a state of hopelessness. That is why most are more concerned over the present than anything else. Today's message is inspired on Genesis chapter 1. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, mighty God, hallowed and glorified be your name. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You are the one that was, that is, and is to come. Blessed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Heavenly Father, I pray humbly, Lord God, that you please forgive my sins. Please, O Lord, forgive us, O Lord, for all the wrongs that we do. Please always have mercy on us. I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ. I give you thanks, O Lord, for the love and grace and mercy that we find through Him. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I pray now for your guidance. I pray, Heavenly Father, for your clarity. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you may have, Lord God, just mercy on us in a way that we can have our minds and hearts open. Heavenly Father, do away with any kind of pride, with any kind of, Lord God, of feeling of, of grandeur, Heavenly Father, and help us to be able to see you through your word, to see your greatness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today's passage can be found in the book of Genesis, chapter 1. This is the word of the Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven till the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, 
whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas. Let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. This is the creation story, as it was revealed by God and written by Moses some 3,500 years ago. However, some treat this now as a fable or as a myth, or even as an old wives' tale. And since as recent as 1859, we've been dealing with evolution thanks to Charles Darwin. And that is what has helped many people doubt this creation story, where God is seen as the center of everything. In a nutshell, evolution depends on an accident, but Genesis depends on an almighty being, on God, on a creator of all things. And Genesis is how we're told how this planet and everything around it and in it was made. 
And it is very clear to see through this passage that God, in fact, made everything. Which is true? Evolution or Genesis? Are we the product of a cosmic and misguided accident where something spontaneously happened many million years ago? Or are we the product of an eternal and almighty God that created absolutely everything and through which all things consist and subsist? I have to say that this is no doubt a challenge because both go beyond our knowledge. And someone might say, but the evolution theory has science as a base, as something that is factual. And that may be so, but the truth is that no human being was there at the beginning. So no one can say either with great certainty because there are no human eyewitnesses. But there is something that tells me at least that it is impossible to believe that the little to close to nothing we know about our very existence can be the product of an accident. As an architect by training, I can't avoid the fact that there is an incredible and intricate design that is visible when you look at everything. And also there is an incredible and delicate balance to our existence. And so by intellect and observation, I am compelled to think, to reason, that all of this simply cannot be an accident. And I come to that because I would otherwise do a great disservice to what I do day in and day out as a builder. And I know that everything starts with some sort of design, with an idea that turns into a plan. And I'm not the only one that thinks this way. There were and are much more brilliant minds than my own that say that they see a great and majestic design in our existence. The one that is probably most common to everyone is Albert Einstein, but there are many other brilliant scientists, mathematicians, and thinkers that saw a designer rather than an accident. I am not alone in this faith. Why do I bring faith into the conversation? Because everything requires faith, believing in that which you cannot see. Even evolution requires faith because no human being ever witnessed the beginning of all things. Even this explosion that they say that happened millions of years ago. This evolution concept is claimed to be a theory, but in no way can it be claimed as a fact. However, this so-called science and creationism do agree on one thing. And that is that mankind came into the picture much after everything else. Our existence is newer in the equation, if you will. And so it is impossible to believe or even theorize on anything without some measure of faith. And that is irrefutable. And so why should we be more persuaded to believe that someone is behind all of these things we see? If we possess any kind of logic, we should understand that order can never be accidental. There are just too many things that are too exact and constant to think that this is all by chance. The creation talks about God and our five senses give our minds the ability to sense His work. With our eyes, for instance, we can see the small, the great, the cosmic, our very beings and the intricacies that each involve. We can smell the fragrance of a delicate rose and bloom or the scent of pine as they sway in the wind. We can feel the softness of a baby's cheek when we caress it or the cool rain as it hits our face. We can hear birds chirping as a new day begins or the sound of crickets at night as the song while the moon and stars are the celestial backdrop. We can taste sweetness of honey or a ripe strawberry. All of our senses tell us about this wonderful creation God has made, about all of these things he one day spoke into existence. All of these things and even things we have no idea about tell us about his greatness, his intelligence, and his eternity. 
Do you want to try to at least begin to understand God's eternity and infinity? Just look at space. Mankind dreams of traveling to distant planets and galaxies while God made and organized all of those things by just uttering the words at some point. This is how faith begins. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 to 20 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now there is one detail that we need to see in all of this creation story, and that is that a single entity did not do this on his own. Genesis speaks of a plural God in particular. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In the ancient Hebrew, these words like us and our are mentioned quite clearly. Who was there at the beginning? Through the scriptures, we understand that God is in fact three distinct and divine entities in one. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Who is this Word that John talks about? In the Gospel of John chapter 1, he makes mention again about this Word. In the ancient Greek, the word logos is used, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. The Apostle John is making reference to none other than the Lord Jesus Christ as this word that was at the beginning, and with God, and who is God. And so when God the Father uttered the words that brought all of this into existence, he made it all through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the vehicle, if you will, that made all existence possible. He is the one through which all things continue to be as they are, and they will be in the future and for all eternity. In Colossians chapter 1, it tells us this, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. In Revelations chapter 1 verse 8, it also says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. You see, here is where the greatest injustice is made to the Lord Jesus Christ. Most people penalize him for taking on our human form and see him just as a good man. And the irony in all of this is that many see him as something of minimal significance or as weak because he took our flesh upon himself to save us all. This was the only way man could ever be saved. Man could not have made the way to salvation. We could have never been able to save ourselves. It's impossible. Man's salvation was created by God through Jesus Christ. 
Yet many have a difficult time believing and or reconciling that he was and is this eternal God that has always been, is, and will always be forever and ever because he chose to save all of mankind from their sin. Can there be no greater injustice than this? He made everything and everything exists and consists only based on his say-so, if you will. And many people question who he is and what he is capable of. He did incredible things while here on earth. He even raised the dead. But the greatest miracle is the eternal life we can have through this almighty and eternal God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth. I submit to you today that there is no other logical answer to believe in and that Jesus Christ, even though he took our form, is God, the creator of all things. Jesus Christ's position and identity does not depend on the opinion of people. He is an irrefutable and undeniable reality that is independent and unaffected whether people choose to believe in him or not. And if this is the case, then one thing should only matter to us, and that is, what does this God think of me? And our eternal future depends on that single answer. Our future, yours and mine, depends on what we choose to believe about this creator. He is unaffected by our opinion, yet our existence, and more importantly, our eternal destination depends completely on him. The Bible says that all judgment is given to him, for it is written, for the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son, that all should honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Now you see, many believe this notion that God is not going to judge anyone. And that no matter what people do or think, that God is just going to forgive everyone and everything. And even worse, many see this Jesus Christ as someone with no authority. Yet the Bible is very specific in that God is going to judge and that Jesus Christ is going to deal with all injustice. And make no mistake, every believer will also stand judgment and will give an account. For it is also written, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy in the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose? Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so it is very clear, God the Father cannot be taken lightly, nor can we mistake his love, grace, and mercy for something that can be trampled or disrespected. And also it says that the Lord will judge his people. And if the word says that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, you should be very concerned about what he thinks about you and if you will be able to get through his judgment. Now, some may say, that's not what my pastor or minister is teaching me, or that's not what my church believes, or I don't think that is the way that it's going to be. And I have to insist, who is the one that has the ultimate say of whether or not you will be allowed to enter God's kingdom? Is God going to ask your pastor or your minister about you and about whether or not he should let you into heaven? Is it your church that holds dominion over the gates of heaven? 
Or does someone as mighty and sovereign as God going to care about what you think should happen? Is he going to ask you what your opinion or criteria should be to let you in? Or should you not think rather for your own sanity that it is going to go by what his word says? God's word is the only way we have to know his opinion and the basis for passing his judgment. This is the only way we can know his will and what will be the basis for our salvation. I tell you that if you don't get it right, you have a lot to lose, starting with gaining the eternal life that only he can give through Jesus Christ. And this brings us back to this creation God of the Bible. The Bible talks about this final place where everyone he finds worthy will be allowed to live in forever. And it is a perfect place. It's not like this present reality that you and I are living in right now. In Revelations chapter 28, it gives us a glimpse of this place that he has created for those that love him. And also about another place where those that are not accepted will be condemned to for all eternity as well. For it is written, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars shall all have their part in the lake of which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I don't think things can be any clearer. If you accept and obey fully this God of creation, you can attain the impossible and the eternal. But if you choose to not believe and or love and serve this almighty creator of all, then I have to tell you that your future is not looking bright at all, but rather nothing good is waiting for you on the other side. My most excellent advice to you is believe in God, submit to him, honor, love, and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. All things rest on him and it is in your best interest to become one with him. This is the thing that I hope you are concluding, that by not accepting God as the creator of all things, that you are not really gaining anything by denying that fact. You gain nothing by not believing in God. You actually lose all hope in an afterlife. You lose out on eternity. If you are a person that chooses to believe in nothing, you are doing yourself an incredible disservice and eliminating any kind of reason for believing that there is something after. That is the gain, or rather the loss, that you get from denying God's existence 
and his capabilities when you ultimately misplace your faith and put it on things that offer you no hope. But I hope that you are understanding, if you haven't already, that you have everything to gain if you choose to accept this God that made all things and that has prepared even more wondrous things that we cannot even imagine for those that love him. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. If you choose to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, you have everything to gain. If you receive him today, that is where your eternity can start, where you can attain immortality. You see, we all have a beginning, but without Christ in our lives, we will have a definite end. But when you receive him into your life, you can have a beginning with no end. Our physical lives will one day end, and there is no avoiding that because the corruptible must be shed. Corruption cannot inherit the incorruptible, but our eternal beings will live for all eternity. Every single one of us has a soul, and when a soul is redeemed through the Lord Jesus Christ, we can enjoy for all eternity the creation he has made also that lasts for eternity. For the Christian, there's always the hope of a tomorrow that never ends. There's always a purpose to live for. Our purpose is not this temporary and passing world that will end at some point, and sooner than we think if things keep on going the way they are. Our purpose, the things God made us for, are eternal. Our purpose is eternal. I don't worry very much anymore about the things that I will get to do or not do in this world because through Jesus Christ, I just have too much to look forward to. When our eyes are set on the Lord and on what He has to offer, everything starts taking a distant second. Things here start losing their luster, their significance, because we know that it will all go away. I challenge you to take that step of faith, if you haven't already, and believe in the God that made all things. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy God, blessing and honor and glory and praise be to you. Thank you, O Lord, for making us, for creating us. Thank you, O Lord, for your Son, Jesus Christ, and for giving us the opportunity of salvation, of eternal life, through his sacrifice. Please forgive us, O Lord, for the price that our salvation costs, because that was not for free. Heavenly Father, thank you because you love us so much, and because you offer us so much. Lord, you do it not because you have any obligation. You owe us nothing, yet we owe you everything. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us, O oh Lord, to acknowledge you for who you are, for what you have done. Help us, O oh Lord, to acknowledge with all of our hearts the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to honor him above all things, for he alone is worthy of all praise and majesty. For he alone is King of kings and Lord of lords. Blessed be your name, O Lord God, forever and ever. I pray for every person that's listening right now at this moment, that if they have not made this decision to accept and receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of their lives, that they may do it right now, that they may be able to repent and convert from all of their sins, 
to leave sin and death behind, to follow you, to follow the Lord that made us, created us, and saved us through Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.